Would you turn with me? Uh, this morning, uh, we, we wake up to the news, we read the news of these shootings around our nation uh, in Dayton, Ohio, and in El Paso, Texas. And this is a very political conversation, but I want this morning to be about the people whose lives were affected, uh, the 20 killed and the families that they represent, and the nine killed in Dayton, Ohio, and the families that they represent. Um, we've all experienced loss, but I wonder if we've experienced a loss where somebody ran to Walmart and they didn't come back. And so this morning, what I'd like, I would invite you to do is we're going to stretch our arms south of us to represent Texas and east of us to represent Ohio. And I want to lead us in a time of prayer for those people. Jesus, we may not be there. Lord, we may never have been there and never will be there. God, but you care about those 29 people and you care about those 29 families. Jesus, you care about El Paso and the fear that the enemy would like to have course through that city. Jesus, you care about Dayton, Ohio. Lord, you, you care about both of those people. You care about every single soul that those cities represent, Jesus. Lord, and, and your word says that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, surely I would hear from heaven and I would heal their wicked land. Jesus, this morning we ask for a healing on our nation. Jesus, we ask for healing in the families. Jesus, we ask for healing with the people that were in Walmart that witnessed things that they never wanted to see. Jesus, we, we intercede for the folks in Dayton, Ohio. Lord, for the families that lost a loved one, for their friends, and for the witnesses of these terrible acts. Jesus, and we, we stand laying hands on both of those areas. Holy Spirit, I pray that, that your comfort would come, that your peace would fall. Lord, and that you would continue to break our hearts for the things that break yours. Jesus, your word says that you bind the brokenhearted and you're near to those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus, would you be close to those who are crushed in spirit today? God, we love you, and we know that you still reign over this world. God, would we see your kingdom come even more today? It's in your precious and holy name. Amen. Well, good morning. Oh, 
this morning I was really blessed because I woke up in my memory foam bed <laughs> in my air-conditioned house with my toilet that flushed and my shower that ran water, holy water from heaven. Uh, <laughs> and I was very blessed by that. Um, I am, we are starting a new sermon series and it is called One Hit Wonders Part Du. And that's just fun to say, so just say it with me, part du. You like have to make the face, don't you? Du. And <laughs> Elizabeth's laughing at me already, so du. Um, which means part Okay, good. As long as we're on the same page. And you might recognize this graphic uh, because we did this sermon series once before. And this is part du. Um, this is brand new content, but the heart and the purpose is the same. And that is to make decisions that make us not a one-hit wonder in Christ, but to have a lasting relationship with Jesus. Because I would say that nobody like sets out to be a one-hit wonder. Um, I remember the last time we did this series, um, I played Who Let the Dogs Out? And I don't know if any of you guys remember, but Who Let the Dogs Out started playing during prayer one time. <laughs> um, and, and I imagine that the Baja men, is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah okay, sorry, whoa. Um, I imagine that they didn't set out to be a one-hit wonder. Uh, Smash Mouth talks about how... Smash Mouth talks about uh, the, the music that they did to the movie Shrek and how that made a lot of money but also <laughs> ruined them for any new music after that because they were just so successful in that moment. <laughs> and last time we did this series, um, I split you guys up into two sets, and I played One Hit Wonders, and I had you guys try to figure out what the song was and who it was by, and I've never seen a more violent church <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Y'all got really into it, and I even remember people saying, that's not fair, we got it, and all this stuff, and I was like, maybe we shouldn't revisit that. Uh, Maybe we're a little too competitive in nature, and that's okay. We'll just let that die, die out. But uh, nobody sets out to be a one-hit wonder now, do they? Uh, and in Christ, it's the same thing. Like, nobody wants to be the person that's like 40, 50 years old and saying, there was this one time at youth camp that I met the Lord, and he hasn't really said much of anything else since. You know, nobody wants to say, like, there was, I went to a Christian college, and those four years were powerful, but now I don't really feel or experience the Lord in my day-to-day -day life. No, we want to be people that have impactful relationships with Jesus, things that change us day by day, not one-hit wonders. And some of you, um, Dale, has said, how can, how can you have a one-hit wonder part two? And I would say to those people, don't be so dang literal and have a little fun with it. Um, so so one of, what we're going to do through the course of this series is that they are sermons that I call shotgun sermons, okay? They are one and done lessons to apply to your life and to say, if I can make this decision, it will make a lasting impact and it will make my relationship with the Lord last longer. 
So I like to pray at the beginning of every series. Uh, part of me wishes I could just pull Dale up here to pray since he gave me, gave me a hard time about the series, but I'm not bitter. So, um, <laughs> so let's pray together this morning. Jesus, we want to have relationships with you that, that don't just stop at moments in our lives. God, we want to have relationships that are long-lasting, that change everything that we do. Lord, and I know that I'm not the same that I was a year ago because of you. Jesus, can we be people that, that would change constantly to look more and more like you? God, I pray during the course of this series that we would pick some things that say, that's mine. That's the thing that the Lord's asking me to do. And that we would run with them. We love you so much, and it's in your precious and holy name. Amen. So hopefully this morning, you are ready and awake, okay? Hopefully, you got enough sleep last night. You rolled out of bed straight on your knees and started praying that the Lord would just meet you today. Hopefully, you had breakfast and you didn't have a single disagreement with a family member or a friend. Hopefully, uh, you had a breeze of a week and nothing really got hung up. Hopefully, you knew every single word to the songs that we sang in worship. You know, hopefully you got here with ample time to catch up with friends, and now you just sit and you say, Jesus, let me sway in the wind of your grace. Or, <laughs> uh, if you are like the rest of humankind, uh, <laughs> you have a busy life, and you kind of crawl into Sunday morning barely alive. And you are already shot, if we'll be honest. Um, because all of us, you know, we get a day off. There's not one person that I know that says, you know, I just work 24 hours a day. We get a day off, but can we just level? No day off is really a day off, is it? Because for some stupid reason, I'm still a human on my day off, you know? I still need to do my laundry, take my dog to the vet, visit the relatives, exercise, meal plan, talk with my spouse, do all of these things that just kind of get me ahead and healthy as a human being. And even though we have days off, like we never get time off, you know, time still marches forward. And, and the things that you don't do today will still be waiting for you tomorrow. And do you ever feel like stressed out about the pace of your life? Does anybody ever feel like that? Like, the pace of my life is just a little... <laughs> uh, it's just a little too fast. Uh, C.S. Lewis, one of his less inspiring quotes, says, the future is something that everyone reaches at the rate of 60 minutes per hour. And I'm like, okay, thanks, C.S. Lewis. You know, we got mere Christianity, and then we got that. Uh, but, but I think when I read that, sometimes... Like, my life doesn't feel that slow. It doesn't feel like 60 minutes an hour. It feels like 60 miles an hour. And things just keep getting thrown at me, and things happen, and maybe faster than I anticipate. And our culture doesn't help. You know, they say do more, achieve more, get more, be more, do ev just more constantly. And then we're left to say, like, there's this verse in Scripture, in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am Lord. And some of us, we read that, we're like, I ain't ever going to know who he is. 
because I can't be still. I don't remember the last time that I was still before the Lord. I, I love this. This is uh, from Richard Swenson, and he talks about this surge of existence that we experience. He says, there are only so many details that can be comfortably managed in anybody's life. And once this number has been exceeded, one of two things happens, disorganization or frustration. I'm going like, to go back to that slide again. I'm going to read it again because I'm worried you didn't hear it, okay? There are only so many details <laughs> that can be comfortably managed in anybody's life. And once this number's been exceeded, one of two things happens. Disorganization or frustration. Anybody have disorganization or frustration? Okay. And then he goes on. He says, and yet we manage more and more details every year, often at exponential rates. We have to deal with more things per person than ever before in the history of humankind. Every year we have more products, we have more information, more technology, more activities, more choices, more change, more traffic, more commitments, more work. In short, we have more of everything. And this habitual overloading leads to an increase in life, speed, change, stress, and complexity. Ugh. Like, I get acid reflux just reading that, okay? I think, man, I have more products, I have more technology, I have more things to do. And you, you kind of feel claustrophobic when you read something like that, because there's nothing you can do about it. You kind of feel at a loss. And if I'm honest, this world that we live in, it has zero margin. Zero margin. Now, what is margin? Uh, margin has three definitions. The first one is the blank space bordering printed area on a page, which, duh, okay. Second one <laughs> is the limit beyond which something is acceptable. This is a boundary that says this is how far I can go. And the last one, which is my favorite, an amount available beyond what is needed. It's saying that I have more than enough. When was the last time you thought you had more than enough time? <laughs> when was the last time you thought, man, I just have some extra time to invest in my relationships, to invest in my spouse or my kids or my relationship with the Lord or my friends or just my relationship with me? Do we have margin in our lives at all? Now, today's challenge is very short. And to be honest, when I say it, you're probably going to laugh at me, and that's okay. I've been laughed at before. Um, because it seems kind of impossible. And today's challenge is this. Get more time. Turn to your neighbor and you just tell them, get more time. Yeah, some of you guys are laughing. Okay. No, I get it. I get it. Get more time. And it would be very easy for me to talk about eternity right now. Do you guys see that? Uh, <laughs> but we're not talking about that. Uh, just in case you need that, like, Jesus can be your Savior and you'll have an eternal life in him. But more time. Have more actual time on this side of heaven. And you say, like, that's impossible. Did you know that the Bible actually outlines how you can have more time? 
It's in Ecclesiastes 3. Now, this is a very well-known uh, chunk of scripture. This, this scripture is at a lot of uh, services and funerals. It was actually at my mom's funeral. Um, just because it is so, I don't know, it's just got this rhythm and this poetry behind it. And this is written by King Solomon, who was said to be the wisest and richest man that had ever walked the earth. And when he writes this, he writes this as he reflects on his life, as he reflects on the busyness that he had, on the lavish parties that he's been to, on building the temple up, on, on, on being a part of God's movement. And this is what he says about time. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. Which is beautiful. But he doesn't leave it there. Verse 2. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, which sometimes my time to kill comes a little too often, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. Sorry, Wesleyans. Um, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. I don't know what that means. Uh, a time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away, which is difficult sometimes. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. And you guys said, when is your time to be quiet? Um, a time to love and a time to hate a time for war, and a time for peace. And this is a beautiful verse. This has this cadence to it, this rhythm, this balance of nature that, that King Solomon kind of looks at the Lord and the, or looks at all of the world in this almost omnipresent sort of way. And he says there's a time for everything. And these words are kind of haunting even. And then he says this in verse 11. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its time. And I look at this scripture and I want this life. You know, I want this life, like, just like do this with me. Just kind of like rock yourself a little bit. You know, just imagine this life where you just kind of like ebb and flow to the Lord's grace and mercies. And just like there's a time for everything and that's good. Like, I want this life. I want time. I want there to be time for every single. You guys, you guys stopped. Come on. I'm not, I don't want to look like an idiot up here. Come on. Um, there, there's a time for everything. And I want to be at this place in my life. But Lord have mercy. It seems like there's a time for everything. And that time is now. Right? You know, tell me if this sounds familiar. Uh, one of the closest people in your life is in crisis. You know, I haven't gotten my oil changed in I don't know how, how long. My house needs cleaning because, God forbid, somebody see my house dirty. My dog crapped on the couch, and somehow it's my fault. I overslept my alarm, and I had to speed to work. Did I pay my phone bill this month? Uh, I have eight unread text messages on my phone, an email from my boss waiting at my computer, a pile of mail sitting at my front door, a pile of laundry sitting at my bed. My nails are chipped. I don't know what's for dinner. 
I'm feeling like I might be getting a cold. Have I been drinking enough water? Have I eaten a vegetable this week? Did I pay my phone bill? Is my cat barfing on the couch because they secretly hate me? And on top of that, I come to church and Lindsay says, I need quiet time? Ha! <laughs> you know? <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. And it seems like there's no ebb and flow. There's just, I don't know, flow, I guess. There's just, <laughs> uh, there's just now everything must happen. And you've got to get this together. And, and if you're like me, all this busyness, sometimes you can get proud of it. Mm-hmm. I worked at Starbucks, okay? I've seen a lot of people who are very proud of how busy and important they are. Where they say, man... I am so proud of my busy schedule. Everybody needs me. Everybody needs my attention. I'm just, I'm just drawn to the very edges of myself, and we become proud of this. And this becomes our identity. The amount of time that we spend, the amount of energy that we expend, it's become part of our worth. And then we have a God that says, be still and know that I'm God. Come away with me. My burden is light and easy. And I hear you thinking it, like almost audibly, if I just pay attention really close, I can hear you say, Lindsay, but you don't have fill in the blank. Nah, <laughs> caught you, right? What will, that, what will be in that blank? That you're like, but Lindsay, you don't have this in your life. And you're right. I don't understand the exact realities of your life. And I don't have fill in the blank. Maybe I do, but, but probably not. I don't have fill in the blank. But what I do know is this. Anything, and I mean anything that the Lord gives you, he gives it to you knowing that you can manage it well. And that you can manage it in a way that honors him. So even though I don't know the specifics of your life, I do know this, is that to have more time, I have to manage it biblically. To have more time, I have to manage it biblically. Listen, let me ask you this. Uh, over the years, like in the course of your life, has your load ever decreased? I remember one time I was home from college and I visited with my youth pastor, Will, and I was just telling him, I was starting a nonprofit organization on the side because I'm Lindsay, I don't know. Um, and I was doing two different degrees at the same time, and I was working, and I was doing all these things to put myself through college. And I said, Will, like, I just don't have time, and I'm so stressed, and everything's so big. And he looked across the table and he said, So in like 10 years, do you think life's gonna get easier? <laughs> and I was like, in my 20, early 20s, I'm like, yeah, once I get here, it'll be better. Okay, so think about this. When you were 15 compared to when you were 25, what did your load look like? You know, when you were in your 30s, did it increase? 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, all those exponentially we have more responsibilities as we grow older and that's just like a natural life thing where we have more people that are under our care 
You know, we've been in our jobs longer, so we're trusted with more. We're more educated, so we're trusted with more. We have more money, so we have more stuff. And life seems to just keep on growing. And let me tell you, you cannot keep it. You cannot stop it from growing. You can change how you manage it. That's the one thing you can control. And so what I want to do today is I want to do three keys to manage time biblically. Three keys to manage time biblically. And I've put them in three different words, and I'd like us to say them together because why not? Um, they are no, no, and go. I heard the silent K that time. That was good. Let's say them one more time. All right. No, no, and go. Well, I probably should just invite the worship team up and we could go home then. Uh, <laughs> but but let's, let's dive into one of these, into these. And the first one is this. Know. Know who controls your time. Know who controls your time. And I will give you just a little hint. It is not you. And you know this if you've ever tried to take control of your time. That it is not you that is in control. Recently, we went to Dallas for a regional church conference, and I'll just say that again, we went to Dallas, okay? And I'm a, I don't know, I'm me, so I was looking online for all of the hotel deals, you know, and the district set us up with some different hotels we could pick from, but I really like staying at Holiday Inn Expresses because they're cheap and they're new and they have good breakfast. And so I was like, yeah, you may say that we could stay at Candlewood, but we're going to stay at Holiday Inn Express. And so I look it up, and it's 11 minutes away from the conference. 11 minutes. And so we get there. And something that I learned in Dallas is that Dallas time is slightly different than Colorado time. That 11 minutes in Dallas is about 40 minutes in Colorado. And so we get into the car 11 minutes before we need to be there because I don't need to be there early. We get in the car, and we're on these big highways and interstates, and Lord have mercy, Kurt drove the entire time. And by the end of it, he probably was questioning if anybody liked him, okay? But, but he's driving in Dallas, and there are off-ramps and on-ramps. There are roads that run parallel that our GPS said to get off and get back on. There was, there was one time, no joke, a lane just lifted up in the middle of the road. And I'm like, I don't get it. And so 40 minutes later, we arrive at the conference, and I'm thinking the whole time, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for Dallas. You know, I don't have time for all of these stupid roads. And I would say that a majority of times that we get upset, it's because of that phrase, I don't have time for this. This person is wasting my precious time. I don't have time to deal with this. And let me tell you what, that's very unfortunate. Because the Lord often works in the moments when he interrupts us. When we think our time is being wasted. Um, and he has control of everything. Verse 9, it says, What do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on all, us all. Let me break that down for you. It says God is in control. You're not. And you can work as hard as you want. You can do as much as you want. But God is in control. So let me ask you this, like, crazy question. And, like, for my control freaks, just kind of breathe. Okay? 
What if we take our schedules and give them to God? <laughs> some of you guys are like, sounds like, it looks like somebody just farted in front of you. I'm like, mmm, I don't like that one. What if we took our schedules and we, we gave them to God? Because, let's be honest, he is the author and perfecter of time. You, he will have control whether you like it or not. Your decision is if you're going to fight it. Job 14, verse 5, man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and set limits he cannot exceed. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit, right? And I was reading this scripture this week and I thought, all too often we treat our time like we treat our tithe. There's this pesky scripture and it says, the first 10% of your income should be given onto the Lord. And it's the first fruits. But oftentimes what happens with giving money towards the Lord is that we would rather flip-flop that. We'd rather spend money on ourselves, and then the rest that we have, the excess, we hand over. Now, this is not a, a sermon on tithing, but if you want to tithe, I'll let you, okay? Um, but this is about time. And, and time is a gift from the Lord, where we need to give him the first fruits of our lives. That means that we can't fall asleep on our Bibles every single night or just run out of time for a relationship with him. See, time is another resource that we hoard and we waste. And God has given you enough time to do everything that he has called you to do. At the end of your life, will he ask, what have you done with my time? What, will you do, what have you done with the resource that I blessed you with? I'm worried that like a lot of us are going to get to heaven and he'll ask, what have you done with my time? And we'll say, swipe, 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 swipe. See, and it starts in this posture in saying that the Lord is in control. And so in order to know who controls your time, one easy thing, you're going to take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And you're going to say, God controls my time. I don't. Next one. Do you remember the second word? No. There you go. Oh, good. There was no, no silent K. Good. Um, say no until the right time. Verse 11. It says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's word work from beginning to end. And this key verse here, it says, uh, beautiful for its own time. A more appropriate translation would be beautiful in its appropriate time. In the appropriate time. That God's, all, God's timing is always appropriate. Cool, 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 yeah. Um, sometimes... I think God moves way too slow, okay? Sometimes I think God moves way too fast. Um, sometimes I'm waiting for things forever, 
you know? You're waiting for your kids to pop out another grandkid, <clears throat> Dwayne. Um, you're waiting for a career to start. You're waiting for your business to take off. You're waiting for your spouse. <clears throat> You're waiting for, for the pizza to get here when it's supposed to be delivered. And time is just moving too slow. And then other times, it moves way too fast. Like the Lord just gives you something and he says, leap, and you got to do it. I remember when we first started Anchor Church, I drove out to the McDonald's in Black Forest to meet with my boss, Wes, and our... Uh, old pastor from one of our churches was there as well. And they said, Lindsay, we want to take these two churches. We want to merge them. We want you to plant a new church, but we're only going to do it if you do it. And I said, okay, no pressure. That's cool. Um, and I was like, well, I would like some time to pray and process and talk to my mentor and decide that this is what the Lord's asked me to do. So I get in the car and start driving towards Colorado Springs. By the time I hit the first light, I have a call from my boss, and he says, so what are you thinking? <laughs> and I heard the still quiet voice of the Lord say, you got to jump. See, sometimes life moves way too fast or way too slow, and it seems like my life is never on his timeline. And I think, Lord, what are you thinking? And yet he says everything is at its appropriate time. You know, there is a time to laugh, and it's probably not at a funeral. You know, there is a time to cry. There's a time to have stuff when you have money, not a higher credit line. There is a time to stay silent. There is a time that God asks you to say something. There's a time to say yes, and I'll tell you, there is also a time to say no. And we kind of hate saying no. I hate saying no. I don't like it. It's a dirty word. Like, mm-mm. Listen to what James said. He says, Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist. Gosh, I hate that. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Listen, the key to having more time is knowing that I only have so much time. You only have so much time. And the number one thing that the Lord has asked of you is to have a growing relationship with Jesus. Lean in for a second. You have enough time to have a relationship with the Lord. And you have to get this right. This should be number one priority. Jesus was really good at saying no. Lindsay, not so much. Jesus, amazing. He said in John 7, verse 6, he's, this happens when the disciples, they're, they're getting excited about everything that the Lord's doing, and he's preaching, and he's doing miracles, and he's performing signs and wonders. It's just like wonderful. And he says, Jesus, we've got to take this show on the road. Like, let's go to Jerusalem, and everybody will get saved. And this is what he said. My time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. This is like an oh snap moment, okay? You just burnt those disciples. He says, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. He says, I've been praying and seeking the Lord, and I know this isn't right. But for you, you're impulsive. You'll do it whenever. And isn't that what our culture says? Do it now. If it feels good, do it. 
Go after it. Get more. Be more. And he says, you're so impulsive. You think any time is right. Listen, maturity is not about saying yes. It is about knowing when to say yes and when to say no. Maturity is not about saying yes. It's about knowing when to say yes and when to say no. It's the key to having enough time in your life. And the enemy knows that. Oh, he does. Uh, This is one of my favorite quotes that I have to remind myself often. Dr. Woodrow Kroll, he says, If Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. You don't need more time. You need better priorities. I love you, and this is what I'm saying. You don't need more time. You have to ask the question, what has, called me, what has God called me to in this season? And that's not an easy out. Lord, you're, like, you guys, you are going to be inconvenienced. And you're going to have to do things that you don't think you can do. But is this the right time? And so I'm going to give you three questions to ask yourself. And I'd like for you to write them down if you can. I'd like you to write down these three questions. And when there's stuff that you can either say yes or no to, I want you to run it through these three questions. And if you want to, you could just take a picture of those on their screen too. But uh, three questions. And if all of them are yes, then you got to do it. The first one is this. Will this bring me closer to Jesus? Will this strengthen my relationship with the Lord? You know, is this going to challenge me? Is this going to nurture me? Is this going to nurture my relationship with Jesus? Is it going to require that I trust him more even? The second question is, has the Lord been preparing me for this? And this one, sometimes you don't need to, you need to ask this of somebody else too. Maybe you have had a burden placed in your life. Maybe you have giftings. Maybe you just have a heart for something. And the Lord's been preparing you for such a time as this. And the last one is this. Is this the right time for me to say yes? Is my family going to suffer when I say yes? Is my spouse going to hate me if I say yes? Are those closest to me supportive of this decision? Is this the right time for me to say yes? And if you can answer yes to all of those things, do it! Okay? (laughs) If you can say, yes, this brings me closer to Jesus. Yes, the Lord's been preparing me for this. Yes, this is the right time for me. You have nothing to do but to say yes. I will do it. And I will follow you into this. And let me tell you, sometimes bringing me closer to Jesus doesn't look like, man, I'm going to read more scripture. Maybe it's that I'm trusting him. Sometimes he's been preparing me for this. doesn't look like, Uh, a four-course, well, not meal, but like class. But it looks like him preparing and stirring in your heart and asking you to do and step out in faith. That God is in control of time, and he will provide the minutes, which leads us to our last one. What was our word? Go. Go towards joy. In this world, we are all about finding happiness and comfort. And what Jesus wants for your time is not just comfort, but joy. And joy, like the joy of the Lord is my strength. And it usually comes after a lot of hard work. Have you ever, like, uh, 
deep cleaned your house in a day? I remember my mom bought me this new vacuum and it had a big LED light on the front of it and I thought, how have we lived like this, okay? But you deep clean your house and you get sweaty and you like feel like you're just covered in filth and, and you start pushing couches and moving things and getting into corners that you didn't even know existed. And then at the end of it, you look back and it's like it sparkles. That's joy. That's knowing that all of the hard work was worth it. And that's not comfort. That's joy. Verse 12, so I concluded that there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor. For these are gifts from God. And that's important. The fruits of what? Their labor. The fruits of this hard work. Listen, we chase comfort and happiness too much. And I will tell you, when you are always on vacation, you're never on vacation. When you're always comfortable, you're never comfortable. You're not experiencing the joy of the Lord. And let me tell you, happiness is not bad. Joy is just better. Proverbs 10, verse 28, it says, The prospect of the righteous is joy. But the hope of the wicked comes to nothing. That when we search for comfort and we search for happiness, in the end, it is nothing. And our lives are but a vapor. And our lives are but a moment in time. And so I want to ask you to take a posture of prayer this morning. The altars are open. Standing is okay, kneeling is okay, bowing your head is okay. And I want to ask you this question. Which does the Lord need you to wrestle with? Is it saying no? Is it knowing that God owns your time? Or is the Lord asking you to go? Is the Lord asking you to step out in faith and for you to surrender your timetable to his? Ironically enough, our, our service is running long. <laughs> and we're at 12.02. And my charge for you as we pray and as we, we sing together, that we would surrender our timetable. That if the Lord wants us to sit and kneel in his presence for five minutes, for an hour, for ten minutes, for just this song, we do it. And we say, Lord, you are in control. Father God, you are in control. God, you know how many minutes and how many hours we have in our day. Jesus, you know what fills in the blank of our lives. God, in this moment, can we be still and know that you are God. That you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. 
Lord, and it's not to be exasperated. It's not to be stretched too thin to talk to you. Jesus, you have given us the perfect amount of time. Holy Spirit, would you teach us to use it wisely and for your kingdom?